Welcome everyone back to, I'm speaking English, I guess, today. Welcome one, everybody, back to Dissected Popular IT Nerds. Today, we are with Cliff Rich. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Right. You got Even it right. though it, sometimes we flip it backwards, you know? The man, the um, man with two first names. Welcome. To, I have two first names too, Phil Howard. Howard <laughs> Howard Phillips, you know I mean? He was like the Nintendo Power Guy. I remember he was like the president of Nintendo back in the 80s or something man. like that. Yeah. I was kind of like, I kind of wish my name was Howard Phillips back then. But anyways, welcome to the show. Director, HR, Information Technology. That's a new title for me. That's a new title for me. Cardinal Health. What is it, What is HR, Information Technology? So you're just in charge of HR technology. You're not in charge of like the cows that we push around, the wireless units and, the, and various um, different medical things. Or what are you in charge of for technology over there? Yeah, so like you said, HR technology. Uh, my my team supports um, most of our our SaaS offerings that are employee mm-hmm. facing. So that's Workday, uh, the ServiceNow platform that we use for our MyHR portal. We use UKG Dimensions for time tracking, uh, mm. Cornerstone for learning, and then Adobe Sign for electronic signature. Let's just jump right into this. I mean, what the heck? You know, how many? Um, well, first of all, how many? I don't want to say end users. We want to use that. It doesn't apply to you anyways. How many, what's your staff like, your support staff, IT support staff? So never mind, never really, mind my, the buzzing in the background that's going off. Go ahead. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the, uh, my team is relatively small, uh, by, by Cardinal standards. I have a team of about 40 people that's divided between FTEs and then, uh, a run, a run partner, TCS, um, Prior teams I've led have been 100, 120 people. Um, that was like service center and then more database platform services teams. But uh, this team is mostly SaaS, uh, SaaS applications. We do a good bit of work with uh, you know vendor partners and also with our HR teammates, uh, the HR information systems. Okay. Significantly bigger than most of the IT directors, VPs of IT and people that we work with kind of in the manufacturing space, I guess, uh, construction, mid-market, mid-market. You guys are, I mean, you guys are really, I guess what we would call, we would term enterprise IT. So having 40 people, are you in charge of, because this comes up on the show a lot, and I'm, I'm, I know we didn't talk about this before, but because it comes up on the show a lot, people looking for jobs, that's what LinkedIn is. We're searching for jobs and people are applying and people are always complaining about how hard it is to get a job where they didn't, they have, they asked for ridiculous bullet points on a, you know, for qualifications, et cetera. Are you doing all the hiring or do you just go to HR ironically that you're an HR support systems guy, or do you just go to HR and say, Hey, I'm looking for guys like this. How do you hire people? I have to go through the same process that any other hiring manager at Cardinal, uh, does. So we've, uh, do a normally have a a template for a job that we're publishing, and then we get with a recruiter and tweak that uh, as needed for unique qualifications or up, updating of that application. And then we either publish that for internal only, or we publish it for external internal, and then check in with the recruiter after some times gone by when they've kind of filtered down the applicant list and also have referrals. Uh, then we go, you know, I go through a pan, I normally prefer a panel process. So I have people on my team that would be interacting with the new hire, um, more frequently than others to make that decision on bringing on a new teammate. Okay. This is just very helpful. And and I've had a theory for a while. I just want to, since you've 
been doing a lot of hiring and working with recruiters and all this stuff. I'm just going to run this theory by you and you tell me if it would work. So whenever I have very skilled IT guys that I want to find, I want them to find a job where they're on a good team. I want them to yep. find a job where they feel valued. I want to find a job mm -hmm. where like IT is, you know, exciting. And it's not just like, you know, why did I get into this field? I'm going to leave and just, I don't know, I'm going to go live off the grid and do something else, you know, which I'm yeah. totally cool. Like I'm trying to do that myself. So one of the things that I, I've coached him and you tell me if this is just would not work for you or if it would work for you. So I say, Hey, look, I want you to pick a hundred of the, I want you to have a dream 100, which is a common concept. I want you to have a dream 100 of the companies that you want to work for. Maybe it's a dream 20. Maybe you just start with 20, 25 companies that you actually want to work for. Pick them out. Boom. Cardinal health pops up on the list. This is in my dream 20. Now I want you to do whatever you can. I want you to find out who is in charge of hiring for that role, essentially who your boss would be, not the HR right. director. I want you to find out who the boss would be. And I want you to connect with them on LinkedIn. And I want you to just say, hey, I love connecting with other, you know, really smart IT directors and IT leaders. And I want to, you know, just have a good network of people and, and mentors, et cetera. Um, would love to connect. Would you connect with that person? Yes. So okay. uh, if, I, if I had somebody that somebody that reaches out directly that is interested in a role. Um, Let's just say they're not connect. even interested in a role. Let's just say they're not. Like, they just connect. You have no clue that they're interested. You're maybe suspect that they are, but you, you know, okay. like, they, they connect with you. And then they say to you, do you mind if I ask your advice? You'd mm -hmm. say, yes, I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah. I mean, then it, they so ask, go, go ahead. Then they ask you, um, you know, when it comes to your role and, you know, what you're doing and in the organization, and everything, what's your single biggest frustration pro problem or concern right now? What would your answer be? When it comes to uh, IT, when it comes yeah. to, to guys, the, your help desk roles, or when it comes to, you yeah. know, whatever it is, what, you know, like this particular role that they think they might be able to fill, what's your single biggest frustration problem or concern when it comes to data, database and platform services, when it comes to, um, yeah. I don't know, um, uh, agile methodology, software or something. I, I'm just trying to think of something that would, you know, what's your single biggest problem, frustration, or concern? What would your answer be? Uh, sing, single singest biggest frustration or concern would be speed to delivery for um, our stakeholders, right? So mm. there's you're you're an HR stakeholder. You have a a need. Uh, there's a, a a vetting process that we have to go through before bringing on new technology. I don't think Cardinal Health is a like for, Fortune 14 company by revenue. I don't think we're any different from any other. Uh, Fortune 100 company where you have like secure the security team wants to get eyes on things, third party risk wants to look at things. So, um, but if everybody everybody who are my HR stakeholders want to bring something new into the, the environment in the next six months, that puts a huge strain on like bandwidth not only for my team but for others that are trying to do diligence to bring that on as fast as possible. What, and then, wow, that's interesting. What do you think? are some of the major roadblocks is it just the is it just healthcare like what are some of the major roadblocks uh, i think the ro roadblocks i think within that within that whole process is just capacity right so there's only so many folks that are available on the third third party risk team there's only so many people that are available with the security architecture team to do those kind of assessments so if you picture the uh you know a soda straw for capacity and then every other 
every other month we have the equivalent of an elephant trying to get shoved through the soda straw for, because of the demand of our non-IT stakeholders. Um, it just becomes a prioritization discussion, right? Like, hey, we're going to we're going to have to table this maybe because the business case isn't as compelling. Somebody else has a more impactful business case. that's going to have to go to the front of the line so that we can get them onboarded sooner. That's obviously not a uncommon problem at yeah. all. It is right. absolutely not an uncommon problem. Now let's just say this guy connected with you asked that, and you just said all that. And he actually goes out and does some research and connects with some other healthcare people, maybe some other people hiring at the same time. And he actually comes back to you with something that would actually be helpful in that department and said, I don't know if you knew this, but here's what I discovered from some of your other, not competition, but other parallel organizations and other people doing this. And I noticed out on, you know, you know, in California, this company did this and they did this. And I don't know if that's helpful for you, but I just wanted to provide that information to you just to show you that uh, I cared. And, you know, I, I really do care about my connections on LinkedIn. I do care about being, you know, someone that provides valuable information and, and works hard for the people that were connected with in my blah, blah, blah. Would that person stand out to you as a candidate if they then, if they then um, applied? Absolutely. Yeah, that would definitely give somebody a competitive um, advantage. I think somebody that shows that type of initiative and uh, ability to go do the process mindset where they have uh, presented with a problem and then goes out and looks at solutions and then comes back and presents options. Um, Yeah, I think that would be a standout candidate or definitely would be somebody that I would encourage to apply and then go through the, uh, the, the process. Right. And the benefit to the person doing that is now they're applying at a company that they actually have chosen that they want to work at versus going to a recruiter and just getting thrown a handful of like options because the recruiter's job is just to fill roles. The recruiter doesn't necessarily care. I don't want to say they don't care about you where some recruiters are going to sit down. Hey, where do you want to work? Where do you want to be five years from now? Blah, blah, blah. But if the person does that themselves, I just... My point of view has always been, you are in charge of you. You're in charge of you going and making your career. And, and you know, why not, why not you go directly to the top, go directly to the people and, and find the role yourself because you're going to automatically stand out from everybody else. And you're going to show, I just, that's kind of my philosophy or, or what I like become your own recruiter. So that was just yeah. something that I've been, because there's a lot of guys that are just like it's dead in their organization or uh, you know it's just like it's not yeah. you know it's not viewed as a business force multiplier or right. they're in a like a toxic environment or you know right. it's very you know uh, so i don't know i just wanted to i wanted some i just want to know what you thought of that theory it's a theory yeah, that I, i've been testing out yeah phil i think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you talked about the person thinking through a short list of companies that they're interested in, which is the same advice that I give uh, veterans that are transitioning out, trying to find a, a, you know, make that pivot into the corporate sector is if geography is not a factor, right, then think, or geography is a factor, then think about the top 10, 15 companies that you want to look at in that geography. If you're able to, if you're somebody that wants to go remote, same go through the same drill, right? Then you can expand to something nationally. But if you're not narrowing down the list, it's going to, I think, feel very much like whack-a-mole and a number of uh, numbers game that is incredibly demoralizing. Uh, I was going to say deflating. Yeah, 
I was yeah, going to say deflating, send but out, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just going to send out resume yeah, after so. resume and apply to role after role. It goes into the black hole of the ATS system. But if you're narrowing down your list of target companies, you can then go do the network mapping that you're talking about. Of If you're like in this case, we're talking about somebody who's a veteran, they can look at whether that company has a employee resource group or, or what some some companies call them business resource groups, right? Where there it's an affinity group that they can have a tie-in with somebody who's gone down this road before and say, hey, I'm just looking for more information on the company. This seems like a class outfit that I'd want to get with. Would you be would you be willing to have a 20 minute phone conversation with me? Yeah. So I I do want to get to the veteran thing because that's um very important. Before we do that, though, the other the other advantage of of a reaching out to a a, your, a future boss or I guess not say boss team member, hopefully yep. hopefully you are a servant leader and you know you're not leaving you know leading by meritocracy and oh meritocracy does work or you know like uh, <laughs> you know what I mean um, yeah I do twenty two years in the air force with pilot next to your name, what'd you fly? So I flew both helicopters and, uh, aircraft. I'd say that the two primary, um, ones that I flew was the, uh, twin engine Huey, the civilian version is called a bell Two Twelve, mm-hmm. And then the aircraft I flew is, uh, it's called the C 12 in the air force. It's a, uh, Beechcraft 200 King air, uh, on the commercial side. We were going in this as we speak. C12. What do I Google? C12 aircraft. Uh, I mean, yeah, just C12 aircraft. Yeah. So, really cool. My brother's a helicopter pilot. Um, okay. He tried to get into the Air Force, uh, failed his colorblind test back in the day. That was uh, getting in the helicopter with him and 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 listening to him talk about how you fly a helicopter. You know, and I got into him with like the little mosquito. I don't know even know what you call it. I'm I'm doing not doing any justice to you, like the mosquito, like helicopter crop duster type. You know, helicopter. You know, like basically a yeah. bubble. Yeah, and uh, okay. I got in with. He landed it in my back, my dad's backyard. <laughs> and he's like, hop in. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, heck yeah. And yeah. I look at my nephew. I look at my nephew, and he's shaking his head. He's like, "I would never get in that." <laughs> you're like, it, and, yeah, it's his and son. And he's like, "I've never flown that." Mom didn't let me. And I'm like, right. and it's just, as up. you're stepping, and you're stepping into the helicopter, you're thinking ten thousand moving parts all working against each other. This is going <laughs> to be awesome. <laughs> Keep your head down. That's <laughs> right. Like, you know. Right. Anyways, uh. So we fly up in this thing. It's just, you know, like he's like, yeah, you got these pedals on the floor. You've got this throttle up and down. This thing twists left and right. Then you got the joystick. And then you got, and by the way, you know, you want to crash, you want to, uh, you want to stall this thing and do it like, you know, what do they call auto that? Route. Reverse, reverse auto, whatever. They what call, call it auto, auto rotation. Yeah. Let's yeah. auto rotate this down in like the woods yeah. here. Like, no, thanks. And then, and yeah. then I'm thinking back to like, I mean, I've had friends that I had a close guy in jujitsu died died in a helicopter crash um i remember yeah. um and then when i talk with other people everyone that's flown helicopters knows somebody that's died i'm assuming do you know any you, you do right yeah um yeah. it's just it's such a it's a it's a crazy aircraft it's it's um so that's really cool the and where was i going with that i have no clue where i was going with that other than that's really cool that you've flown air oh i know where i was going because we have a we have a um 
a section of the show called conspiracy theories. I don't do it on every show or if you, oh, apply, okay. if you apply, if you, I don't know if you ascribe to any conspiracy theories that most likely are true. Um, when you look at maps in flights and airplanes and stuff, like how do you map point A to point B? Do you use a flat map or do you use a globe? Use a flat map. Why? Um, but, but then, well, so, th- so let me go with me here for a minute. So, okay. Uh, and the and the helicopter uh, was always using a flat map, um, but there was there was early GPS technology then that that was using ellipsoids, right? So they had uh, a they did have a um, a map that was three dimensional within like the the technology side that wasn't yep. the carbon the carbon unit holding the the two dimensional um, map map depiction on my knee and trying to do right. point A to point B. Uh, so you asked why, um, typically in any kind of pre-flight planning, you could mark up the map, um, beforehand. Uh, and now we're talking about like late nineties technology when I was flying Hueys, mm-hmm. uh, the G the GPS technology wasn't, wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I transitioned over to flying the C-12, we still had flat maps that we would use, um, but I rapidly got to a point where that aircraft that I was flying went through an electronic flight instrument conversion, um, and we had um, very very sophisticated navigation systems that ri- rivaled like commercial commercial level. So I would punch in stuff into a uh, system from Universal Avionics, and it uh-huh. would cr- it would crank out a a map, a, a route to fly. And then that was tied in with the autopilot system. So a lot of that, um, we got away from, uh, map technology. It was, uh, I mean, in flat, other words, it was flat. computer technology. It was basically yeah. computer technology yeah. and, and Lorenz and different stuff like that. And the only reason why I ask yeah. is there's like this whole community of pilots that are like, you know, like, I don't want to say flat earthers, but you know, there's like this whole kind of like the curvature is not what they say. And I've been in, you know, I was did fixed wireless technology for a while and we were always measuring, you know, yeah. well, the curvature of the earth is six miles. So you shouldn't be able to see this, you know, and well, why can you see Chicago from, you know, Detroit or something like that? But and that's the only reason why I asked because it's um, mapping and, and flying. And then there's like this fascinating book that's like 21, I think it's like 21 emergency landings is what it's called. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, just look it up. Like twenty-one emergency landings, and it shows like why did they like if the if the flight was from like Texas to Hawaii, why did they like do the emergency landing and like it was like Seattle or something? It was just like some of these things are very. It's twenty-one emergency landings. I don't think they sell it on on uh, Amazon, but um, okay. Anywho, maybe um, they maybe they did the emergency landing in Seattle for the coffee. But there's twenty-one of them, so there's like. Yeah. There's like, it was like, but if you draw it on a flat map or on the, on the old, like the older, um, kind of like navigation maps and stuff, it's a straight line. So that's kind of like where they're going with that. Anyways. Um, or there's just, you know, I guess like South America is like physically from landmass, from a landmass standpoint is like grossly way larger than I think North America, if I'm understanding correctly, but why do, when we put it on a map, why do we make it smaller? Is that just because the United States has to be bigger? I think that's why, but um, just a yeah. depiction. Yeah. So more fascinating how 21 years, 21 years, what was that transition like to civilian life? 
And was it civilian life or were you kind of already civilian life when you were in the Air Force because you're already kind of, you know, working in a civilian space or um, what, are the, what are the problems that that go around that? And this isn't necessarily an IT show, but there's a ton of people in IT. They're yeah. all veterans and it applies yeah. to it applies in other directions as well, because it could just be transitioning from high school to to real life. Right. You know, what is that transition like? And was there something that you had to deal with psychologically or mentally or preparing yourself, this type of thing? Yeah, there was. Um, after you know two decades in mil- military service, uh, there there was a a huge range of things to um, I had to deal with with the um, transition. Not I I did not have uh, kind of the some of the things that veterans that have been in direct combat um, had to to deal with as part of their transition. But I soft I wasn't, skills. Um, soft, soft skills. I actually was, was pretty, was pretty good at before, um, uh, before leaving the military. So, um, yeah, the, the, the transition was unplanned. So that made it, um, more fun. Like there was a disagreement between me and the air force on where my next assignment was going to be. It was going to be a, um, remote away from my family. And it was already after a difficult year. So we made a decision, uh, that it was, it was time to maybe move on. Uh, was sure. able to come back, come back here to be near my wife's uh, large extended family in a, a vibrant church fellowship that we were uh, a part of. And we have an only child and she had several cousins back here that she could uh, kind of grow up with as we, uh, you know, put down roots. So sure. I'd say the the biggest, the biggest challenge was dealing with stereotypes, right? So I would go into an interview and even though I had a resume that was well thought out and articulated on things that I did outside the cockpit, which as I got, um, you know, further along in my career, I got farther away from the flight line and was doing more staff and leadership and command roles. Mm -hmm. Um, People would ask me like, Hey, so why aren't you flying for the airlines or why are you interested in this project management role instead of flying? You know, and then that would be a conversation that I could, you know, if you've had the training and somebody has given you kind of the, the, uh, coaching, it was a very easy segue into how, um, well, here are the attributes that I was successful with that translate to the job that I'm applying for and the company that I'm, you know, seeking to be a part of. Um, but that stereotype was still difficult to overcome. So along with what goes with being a, a pilot and the, preconceived notion that people have about that. There's also the piece where people think, well, either you were just following orders or you were giving orders. Like you're not an original thinker if you're in the military and you don't have you don't you don't question things. You don't have like intellectual conversations, which couldn't be wow. farther from the truth. Right. So um I think I would it, think again, people just, would love discipline. I would think people would love organization. I would think they would yeah. love, you know, like the ability to follow a plan through to mm-hmm. completion with uh, the least amount of people dying as possible. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So there's a, there's a lot on the plus side. Go figure. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then I think it goes back to the, you know, the bias that people have that haven't been in the service. They're, they're only informed by what they see on the news mm-hmm. or in Holly and Hollywood. And that doesn't always paint the, you know, the military in a, in a favorable light or get you behind the scenes where you see people dealing with pseudo diplomatic situations, dealing with international partners, dealing with stress. Well, 
being very planful, thinking through all options, being deliberate in planning instead of just being adrenaline junkies. So all things that we need in IT. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All things think, that we need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Look, I'm just a hiring manager. I don't know anything about IT. They told me I need to hire for this, um, which is another reason why you should call the dude that's hiring and make friends with him and show him that yes. you're smart. Okay. So, okay. So how did you overcome some of these obstacles? I guess. I, I mean, you had to like learn to sell yourself, I guess, you know, how, like yes. mom tells you when you go get your first job, go sell yourself or whatever. That's what my mom did. She like dropped me out. Yes. didn't have my, didn't have my license yet. And she's like, go in there and apply for this job. Like, oh, I don't know what I yes. Do. So I had, so part of the, part of the deal, uh, Phil with being, um, having an, un, an unplanned exit was I had to get, some help um with networking right i had to i had to have people do introductions i had to be able to do a quick elevator pitch i had to tell people what the companies that i was looking at and the roles that i was interested in because real quick if you real quick i'm sorry because i was i was coaching some i told you before the call that i do a lot with like you know uh uh just coaching people like on getting out of the idea that you're just going to get a job after college and you need to be able to express yourself quickly and on the fly and be able to sell yourself. So what was your elevator pitch? Even though I hate the word pitch because pitch denotes the denotes this idea that you're doing something to somebody, but you're not, you're not, you're doing something for them. So what was your, we, we call it an IBS initial benefit statement or original contact or whatever you want to call it, but what was it? It was, hey, I'm Cliff. Uh, I'm new to the area, but I bring over 20 years of leadership experience with program project management and leadership and process improvement. I understand that your company is in, you know, X space uh, and I and you have some roles that would maybe be a fit. It, could you introduce me to somebody that, you know, can tell me more or just provide some insights about the company? It's awesome. And you know what's powerful about that is... You, you're not asking for help literally, but you are asking for help. So you're saying, could you introduce to me to someone? People, the psychology of people in general, they want to help another person. Yeah, you know the yes. the glass doesn't always have to be half empty. It's not like this. This world's dying. That everything's falling apart. The economy, everything's blowing up. This is terrible. We're in the end of times, which I do think we are. But yeah. it's it, not everything's like that. People are. I genuinely believe. I genuinely believe that people want to do good. They just don't know how, or maybe they don't have a guidance or anything like that. Right. So you are essentially asking for help and people want to help another person. They don't want to say, no, I'm not introducing yes. you. Get out of here. You know what I mean? If yeah. you ask for help, people will help. Yes. Yeah. If you and ask I found that, people. Yes. And I found that to be, I totally found that to be the case. People were willing to, my, one of my cardinal rules was every interaction I had with somebody that I was introduced to, I always asked for two referrals. So that there would, you know, I'd end the, end the conversation with who else do you think I should talk to or who else do you think um, would be interested in, taught you this this is amazing this is great no it guy learns this type of self-selling two referrals no one does that this is the first time <laughs> well, 200 episodes no one's a, <laughs> it, but the thing is about well, when you ask for referrals it's so key because i learned this a long time ago too because the human mind is like google right yes. if you're specific the mind will automatically do it without them even thinking if you say 
Can you think of two other people that might be hiring in the IT space right now that you could give me their name and contact number and put my card in front of them if I give it to you right now, please? Bingo. They're immediately yep. going to do it. If you say two yep. to three, they'll give you two. That's right. why you say two to three. You don't say, yep. can you think of any referrals? Because then they're like, nah. Yeah, yeah. And the two more, to three. Yeah. So you're hitting on the secret sauce, Phil, that I found in my own transition, which I've shared with, you know, veterans that I that have reached out to for help on with their own transition is to be as specific as possible. It's 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 a balance, right? Because you don't want to discount stuff, but you don't want to be vague. Because right. if I if I met you as somebody on the let's say both our kids play soccer and I met you at on the sidelines of the tennis coach, and I'm like, hey. Phil, uh, Cliff Rich, new to the area. Um, I'm looking for work. It'd be like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I said, hey, like I'm looking for, uh, I have a background in program project management and process improvement, and I'm looking for uh, some connections at Nationwide, um, Huntington Bank, and Cardinal Health. Do you, is there somebody that you know that you could connect me with? Well, immediately, like you said, the mind works like Google to some extent, right? And you're already going through your mental Rolodex thinking, who do I know at Cardinal Health? Who do I know at Huntington or Nationwide? And you're more likely to get some names out of the second way that you presented it than the, hey, I'm looking for a job and program. Yeah, and you don't sound like, like, a, like a dude that's just out of work. You sound like yeah, someone that's like right. specific that knows exactly what he's looking for. Exactly. That, you know, and by six, I don't know, but maybe this guy over here who's a doctor knows you should talk with him. I'm going to yeah. plug Andrew Salmon right now of Salmon Healthcare, my buddy in jujitsu, right? Like I remember when, uh, when, uh, when I, he first started out as a white belt, right. And he'll still to this day say it. I'm going to plug him on this show. He's going to be mad. He's like, Phil kicked my butt for six months. It was miserable. I wanted to leave and quit, but I kept coming back. Now I've been out for a year. And if I go back, he's going to be like a brown belt or something. And he's just going to wipe the yeah. ass with me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I just remember, you know, he's like, you know, I don't know. He's just the dude I do jujitsu with, but he owns nine, like he owns all the like, if their family owns all of the 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 health the the um I don't even know this is like elderly care I'm totally I'm butchering this okay. he's, gonna, he's gonna kill me like retirement communities we're not retirement community you know, like all these things that are in connection with the hospital like they opened up a whole one of their massive campuses when COVID came in to to create overflow for the hospitals and and okay Worcester's anyways whatever it was. Are they like independent living, assisted living, and memory care? Assistant like living, ecosystem? yeah, but I'm way more on steroids, yeah. like everything, okay. all kind, you know, everything, the whole nine yards, like probably all of that. Plus, you know, so anyways, I don't know how many people have probably gotten jobs just because through jujitsu working, working at his place, whether they're like <laughs> right. nurses or like you know doctors or referral, like my hip, like I need a hip replacement or my hips busted, I have a torn like labrum. So like, oh, you need to go see doctor, or whatever. And I'm like, well, my dad's like, you know, my dad, uh, Doctor Howard, urologist. He's like, oh yeah, I know Michael Wall and his partner. He did, you know, I was like, it's just the whole kind of community thing, you know. Um, it's just, I guess, the point is, is like networking. Yeah. So I, I got, I told people, I told people to get uncomfortable with getting out at networking events and introducing themselves, uh, having conversations. Don't go out and spray people with your business card that you made. Up I because cannot it's believe. just going to go, it's just going to yeah. go in the trash. Um, but like, 
have have conversations with people and then ask questions do probably more listening than talking and then there was this other concept I that i forget you're saying this. this other concept that somebody else i can't take credit for this because i think somebody else introduced you to this concept but be the person that asks the 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 person that you're talking to how can you help them it's it's like you ask that question at a networking event and people are kind of like uh wow Nobody's at, nobody's asked me that, right? Everybody's been kind of self-serving and like, hey, I'm looking for this. What can you do for me? Um, so it's an, another way to stand out. I I almost said everything that you said verbatim this morning. Ask a question about the other person and shut up and yeah. listen. Yep. Yep. And then be genuinely interested in what they're saying and ask yeah. another question. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's right. And, and then I said before that, and get comfortable being uncomfortable. Cause it's like scary to like talk to strangers yeah. sometimes for people in a weird environment in a new place, you know, like that's the right. Like that's the uh, stretching the comfort zone and like, right. It's like the muscle, it's the muscle thing, right? It's like, how do you, um, yes. how do you grow muscle if you don't ever like, you know, push it to its limit and it's really hurt. It's like the last, what is the Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever. It's like the last two reps that matter. Right. It's like, whatever that is, right. <laughs> whatever that is, you know? Yeah. It's the uh, last two reps that matter. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you flabby. <laughs> you flabby uh, IT person. That was like the Saturday Night Live skit. Remember that? We're here to That's pump right. you up. You flabby. Right. Yeah, you flabalanche. <laughs> what happened to these great stereotypes? Why can't we say them anymore? Every kid gets know. a trophy nowadays. No. Well, well that was refreshing. I, I am just, you know, because... Usually IT, we're very anti-sales people, you know, because mostly it's like the the problem with technology sales is everyone's coming in pretty much for themselves. Not 80% of them are coming in trying to sell a product. They hold a quota. Uh, yes. So a lot of the vendor, a lot of the vendors that we deal with are uh, direct sales people, entry-level sales people looking to hit a quota. They've got the pressure yeah. of quota. So it's all about them. It's all about them first and and, and shoving yes. a product down your throat. And then once they hit quota, totally. then they're, they're off to the next dude. So where's the support? And yeah. typically the average sales rep lasts three to eight months at any given company. And you sign a three to five year agreement with whatever vendor. So any personalized support outlives any of that. Yes. That whole, that yeah. whole model is broken. Yeah. So I have a special appreciation for sales because my good friend and brother-in-law has been in sales his whole life. And then my dad was in sales and marketing before running a, um, a small business. But like one of the, one of the biggest things, uh, that I do for my partners, and it doesn't matter which role I've been in is, um, sniffing out the BS factor, right? Because everybody says, <laughs> It's out, of, it's out of the box. It's an easy integration. I'm like, plug and play. Plug uh, and play. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, plug what a load of, you know, we say what. plug and so, we say plug and pray. Yeah, plug and pray. That's right. <laughs> um, but the I think the the interesting phase that we're in now is the the being the top of the hype cycle with generative AI, right? So every other spam email now or somebody who reaches out, they're pitching their AI solution and getting to the getting to sift the wheat from the chaff, right, is the most important thing, I think. Dude, I don't even believe it yet. Do. I don't even believe that there's an AI solution that if it was a sponsor on this show and I would put this advertisement on the side of the website, I don't think there's one that exists that's worth putting up there yet. 
Yeah. Maybe not maybe, yet, but maybe a, te- maybe a, maybe a, a voice to text, but we already know that has been in existence for a long time yes. or a, I'm trying to think of who would be hitting you up. It would be like, you know, like automated, like voice everybody. systems, everybody like there's, huh. uh, there's, um, who do you get a call from today? Did you get a call today from somebody cold calling you? No, but I get, you know I why? Get, because there's no I get one cold e- calling anymore and they need to, <laughs> well, they need I, to get back on that. Well, I, that means I answer my phone, uh, which I don't. And then the second, <laughs> the second piece is they have to, for emails, they have to get by the spam filter. Some people do get by the spam filter. Uh, but you know, everybody, everybody's pitching an AI solution, uh, at this point. Right. I mean, and there's some, there's some pretty, I think there's some pretty compelling use cases that are give coming me one. Up, give me the best one that you've seen. Um, I don't recall the name of the the name of the vendor, but they have a, <laughs> they, they did have a good a, job. They did a good job. Well, I, I think there's. All, I okay. also don't want to. I also don't want to put it out there um, quite yet. Okay. But uh, they they had an avatar that, and you can see you can find this on LinkedIn with some other yep. people that have posted this. They have an avatar that can lip sync and then speak in a number of different languages. And this particular vendor also had, they could go dialects as well. So it wasn't just, Hey, this, this, uh, we can speak Farsi, uh, you know, Farsi, uh, Hindi, English, German, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, but they're Urdu. also able to do you forgot or do yeah. if we're going to do it. Yeah, I did. I did forget. I did forget. Thank you. Uh, but they can also, you know, go with uh, dialects yeah. as well. So that's some pretty exciting opportunities with um, learning and development, um, with training, um, you know, potentially with some sort of virtual interaction for help desk. You know, I, I don't know. For sure. No, it, no, no. In the, in the healthcare space, that's huge. That, that, that it would be. Yeah. So language um, translation. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. That's a big one. Um, especially when you've got multiple, uh, yes, when healthcare is involved and yes, I, I don't know what else to say other than yes, that one is huge. Of course, I'm of the philosophy that everyone has to prove it. Always yeah. do a P- always do a POC, not absolutely. a trial, not a trial period. There's a big difference between a trial period and a POC. A trial yeah. period is you signed and you can cancel and they know that once you install, there's no, there's no going back. There's no going back. Right. It's a, it's a POC. So excellent. Okay. 40 people. I, I don't, I just, I don't know where to, where to go or where to transition. How do you manage, uh, what's, how do you manage 40 people? What's your philosophy there on, on that one? I mean, do you guys do weekly meetings? I mean, what? What's like, give me something that I don't know, no one else has ever taught you or done that's just so useful for you that made managing a staff of 40 people easy. It's probably not easy, probably never will be, uh, but maybe something that just yeah. took some of that stress off you, uh, you know, late nights, um, not being able to go to sleep at night because I don't know. Yeah. So I have three, I have three managers. Um, I have a scrum master and I have uh, a, a really super uh, MSA partner who I treat as part of my team. Right. So hmm. um, the majority of the, uh, the leadership and interaction with the team is uh, the managers uh, being, being in there with them. I, I do skip levels or do direct um, interaction with all of the team um, on a, I'd say on a quarterly basis, I try to get skip levels in, but as things come up, you know, we draw, we draw people in who are, um, engineers or senior engineers into conversations as needed. Um, and I've always been a fan of the, 
uh, you know, servant leadership model that um, I'm there for the team to remove obstacles and help them with um, where they have development desires and career career goals. Uh, do we need to get them? Do we need to create bandwidth for them to get them additional skills, training, and experiences to selfishly not only help with retention but to help them achieve their goals so they they feel like they're getting they're they're contributing what they can to company goals, but along the way, can we can we make it so that they're also um, meeting their own development needs? So, um, I have one on ones with the managers every other every other week. I have uh, a weekly meeting with all four of them, the three managers and the scrum master, every Monday, just to kind of um, under get us all talking about what the priorities for the week are and does anybody need help, uh, and then. That's that's kind of just a quick snippet. When it comes to understanding IT leadership or, or growing in that space, or even I don't know if someone says, "Hey, some somebody, I want to have your role." Okay, fine. Are you sure? Um, first one. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, you, you must not know. You must not uh, know anything about my role. No, if you want, you want to be the data center guy. Trust me. You want to be the that's guy right. plugging in cables and and playing that's with right. compute power. It's fun. That's right. I said this right. this morning. I said the the happiest guys I know are the data center guys. The most yes. miserable people I know are the, and I'm not saying this is, there's outliers, okay? There's a lot of fun coders. There's a lot of happy coders. Yes. I just happen to find that the data center guys seem to be a little bit more, have a little bit more of a, I don't know, uh, you know, whatever in their step than the- Yeah, because uh, it's more, than, it's than more tangible. Guys. Yeah, it's more tangible yeah. to them. They get to deal with hardware and replacing yeah, yeah. blades and cool. plugging stuff in, racking the stack, and you know, yeah. yeah. And look at what look at look we did. Look at the KPIs, right? It's not like uh, the right. code's broken. Why isn't this working? You know, there's just a, like the coder guys. I think. Um, um, have you have you read the Phoenix Project or listened to that one? Yes. Okay. Yep. If you were to suggest, <laughs> of course. Phil. Sorry, that sounded pretentious. Of course, um, I'm in the. <laughs> I came from the Air Force. I came from the Air Force. Did you not hear me earlier? I said Air Force. Of course, Force. I read the Phoenix Project. I it has Phoenix in the title. That's I right. can it I can reverse <laughs> rotate. <laughs> yeah, that did sound. I can't believe I did. I wish I got yeah. paid for this. Yeah. I actually pay to do this. This is what's the funny thing about this. Maybe someday someone will sponsor me. Sponsors, please, please. Um, yeah, we'll so get you, I'll get Cliff, you, a, I'll get you, a, I'll get you a Gen AI sponsor. Cliff, so um, can great. you think of Cliff, can you think of, um, two people that would be willing to sponsor my show specifically in the AI space that you could introduce me to after the show? My email is phil at popularit.net. Um, I'll take two to three referrals. Okay. Um, and I will be following up every day, um, until awesome. I get said referrals. <laughs> until I <laughs> They need we reward man. we we reward persistence. But you were going to talk about the Phoenix project and the paint booth. No, no, I was going to. What I was going to say is, uh, what would you uh, like? First book that comes to mind that you would, or audio book that you that you would tell um, someone that asks you that question that wants to develop their skills and and IT and leadership and all this stuff. Uh, first book and then first certifications, which I don't think really matter anyways. But sometimes you need them. What would the certification be, and what would the book be? Um, well, so I'm kind of biased on certifications that are non, uh, non it because I didn't grow up as a developer or fingers to keys guy. So the certification that was the 
most helpful to me was my PMP certification because that was how I got my foot in the door with uh, with IT. Uh, ironically, I actually started out with HR uh, on the mergers and acquisitions side of the company, doing integration work and a lot of a lot of interaction with the IT team. So that within like 16 months in that role, I got pulled over to the IT PMO, and then from there from there I've had you know varying varying roles within IT until I got to this one. So. Certifications. I'm not. I'm not going to be a lot of help in that area for people that are looking for. Hey, what's the killer certification for me to get? I, I would say the area of interest is maybe where you should focus on getting a cert. But then, um, on the general networking, so this, this, maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So or you can at least CI- talk with your team because. So basically, what you're yeah. telling me is like, look, Phil, I'm not the genius. Okay, I can just like manage right. all these people and make the dream happen. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what right. I do, Phil. Um, <laughs> if you actually ask me to program all these edge routers and stuff, um, it's not me. It's gonna be I a horrible. I would secretly failure. tell you. I would secretly nod my head up and down and hang up and call somebody else. Um, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I am a PMP certified dude. Okay. I fly helicopters and make the job happen. I'm a um, fastest guy. Let's be honest. Uh, but that's important. We, the world, the world needs. <laughs> I was about to do a, I was about to do a, uh, Caddyshack reference, but exactly. The I, world needs ditch diggers too. That's what I was going to say. Now I see no one understands. You see, this is the thing. These the this is why the X generation or whatever generation we are is yeah. where we are. Let's. I mean, this is it. You know. Um, yeah. So it's, it's good. definitely a Caddyshack, right? You exact the world, Justin. Yeah. You stump. So you stump me at good. Denny, Denny, You stump me. You stump me on the book question on what would be best for this space. I do. We well, said servant I leaders. Like I the, thought servant leaders. I thought seven stabs of highly effective people. Yeah. I don't know if you've read um, First Break All the Rules. That was a big one for me. No. First Break you know All the Rules. Gotten, I like that. I've gotten a little lazy. Uh, if you go to chat GPT. And at, yeah. <laughs> at, well, if you go to chat GPT and ask it to summarize uh, the five, five main points of a book, it will kind of do a nice job with that. All day long. Yeah. All day. You know, I'm not even going to reveal my secret AI sauce on this recording. I will, I will tell you that after, but as far, but yes, like I remember, like I wrote, I read first break all the rules years ago. It was given to me by the VP of Starbucks at the time. Nice. And he said, pass it on when you're done with it, which I did. Um, Mark Lindstrom, who's no longer the VP at Starbucks. He's like running like some other tea company or he's probably just retired now and living life. Some other tea company. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he gave me the book years ago and it made a huge difference. And, and I think I said this the other day on another one, but I'm going to just say it again, because I've said it multiple times, take your whole team, put them in a room, give them the evaluation forms, walk away within five miles of the place and uh, put someone in charge of it and let them fill out the evaluation forms and talk about you for an hour or two hours, however long they need, write all the crap down, everything that you could improve on, put it in and then have the person who's in charge of the meeting, type it all up anonymously and deliver it to you in a manila envelope. That was something that came out of that book that was really powerful. And but I couldn't remember. They did like a whole hiring strategy, and there's a lot in there on behavioral interviewing and like tell me about a time, be real specific because it's not like you can do interviewing so bad, you can do it wrong, right? 
Yeah. I couldn't remember what all the questions were. So I went to chat GBT and I was like, could you please um, give me the top 10 interview questions from, you know, like from first break all the rules. So I was like, sure. No problem. You know, whipped them out. I was like, Oh, thanks. And then, and then, you know, then that's the LinkedIn post. And then I basically yeah. said, Hey, LinkedIn, guess what? These are some great interview questions to ask your employees based on, you know, um, first break all first the rules. Break all the rules. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was yeah. great and it was very useful. So that's actually something that, um, anyways, it, it chat GPTs, it's not cheating. You have to, you have to be the right driver. You have yes. to know, you have to have a certain level of information first to be able to ask the questions so that it spits out the, like, if you didn't have that information, you'd never be able to ask that question to begin with. So that's why I say it's right. not cheating. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Is there any um, final words of wisdom or advice um, after talking with me and, you know, being a good listener um, for, I don't know, one hour, however long we've been doing this for? It's It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun, Phil. I appreciate you having me on. I think that the plug I wanted to leave with uh, is going to be part of the things we've already talked about is for those IT leaders listening in. Don't discount veteran talent just based on what you see in a, in a resume or a preconceived notion about putting people into categories. There, there's some amazing talent out there coming out of the out of the services that if you give them an opportunity, they've got great learning agility integrity great they've been team they've had to be teammates they had a lot of situations they've had to be leaders so they're the whole they're the whole package and if you give the you know the right people an opportunity they're not going to let you down yeah i i mean to, to honestly in from my personal perspective having hired um uh veterans in the past i would actually give that preferential treatment as yeah. opposed to not that I want to like discount somebody else that's, you know, right. he just only yeah. hires veterans. He only, has, you know, but, um, I, I can clearly remember asking a guy, uh, an interview question, the behavioral and questions. This is back when I worked in a coffee shop and it was very busy and stressful and there's coffee and a line of people out the door and things always going wrong. And right. And people complain. It's just insane. Right. It was really fast paced. Not like Starbucks today, which has gone way downhill. I think their standards have gone completely through. I don't know what's going on now. Anyways, yeah. I asked him, I said, so <clears throat> tell me about a time you had to deal with um, extreme, you were under extreme stress and pressure. And how did you deal with that situation? Could you please uh, describe it and be very specific about it and how you overcame that situation? He's like, well, so I was driving the Humvee in Baghdad on the front line when we invaded Baghdad during the Iraq war and uh, my tire blew out. And I had to replace the tire while, um, you know, while we were all in like night vision goggles and like, you know, uh, wow. shooting going off around us and like all this stuff. And I was, I was like, stop, 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 stop. I was like, you can handle coffee. I was like, just stop. Next question. I was like, you know, like how, you know, who, you know, like, I think you can handle a yeah. line of customers and That's right. always showed up on time, always early, always like overdressed for like the coffee roll crisp clean yeah. never always too calm kind of like almost too calm everyone loved him and then um one day he came to me he said phil i can't do this anymore i was like why he's like i just i can't do this i'm going back for my third tour oh wow he's like i could he was just, that's why i really wanted to ask you like what was the transition like because for him it was like I think he just really wanted to be, and I, I think the reality change was just too, like, you know, maybe it was Starbucks was the fault. You know what I mean? It's like everyone asking for their like venti three pump sugar-free vanilla latte at 179 degrees, you know, and it was just, I don't know, but 
I'm just telling that story because I'm sure there's someone out there listening that's going to relate to that. Yeah. It does take a reset uh, on priorities, right? Especially if you're somebody that has been in combat. I I never was, but I have plenty of friends that have shared what that what that's like. So you've been in combat and then you try to walk into the just walk into the corporate environment. You can't you can't do like one of these, right? Where it's uh just snap your fingers and uh all of a sudden uh, yeah. you're 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 able to kind of translate like oh this is this is a like this is a priority like mm. you can you can people are people veterans are very adaptable right but i'm talking about in the somebody who's been going through those first few days or weeks or initial months after exiting if they've been in a high fast-paced environment like that's i think that's where you'll have veterans that um you know maybe the the switch is so dramatic it's it's hard mm. to make the it's hard to make the transition and that's where i think having coaching um from peers from uh hiring managers that have some uh higher level of empathy and patience uh around helping people with that transition it's not to say it's charity right but just you'll have somebody that if you're if you go the extra mile to help them with the transition, you'll end up with somebody who's a super high performer and high potential. He, he uh, was a high performer organization. Day one, day one, yeah. he was a high performer right. star employee. I just yeah. didn't want him to quit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not yeah, selfishly, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like it's well, yes, selfishly, but it was um, you're just it was just kind of like, I get it. I'm I'm not surprised. I wasn't, you yeah. know what I mean? But it was just, I mean, the performance was not the issue it yeah. was him being happy or him like you know i mean i just think there's a lot of a, a little bit of a no it's a lot of a tragedy actually um yeah. i don't know what else to say with that but it has been a pleasure having you on the show i'm sure you're fine with anyone especially any uh you know veterans reaching out to you on linkedin um please find uh cliff rich and if you want to find him it's clifford rich his link will be on the show page when we produce the page all you have to do is go to the page click on uh, cliff's linkedin profile link and it will take you straight to him thank you again sir thanks phil pleasure being with you today <laughs>